Hello, everyone. Welcome to You, Me, Them, Everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode with author and artist, cartoonist, whatever you want to call her, she's a wonderfully creative individual, uh, Sophie Lacido Johnson. She's been on the show a handful of times, most recently when we did our Chicago Bears 2019 journey. It'll be interesting to see if the NFL has fans or even returns in 2020 because we are living in the midst of a global pandemic and because we are living in the midst of a global pandemic we now have a patreon account you could donate to the show at you me them everybody.com in the podcast description if you're listening to this on spotify that's great we don't get anything from that please go to you me them everybody.com and uh also buy sophie's book the link to her book uh she's got a book that she an audio book that's going to come out soon uh it's in the podcast description as well sophie's great Here's the show. How are you holding up? Oh, um, well, really well. Um, this is like definitely my peak way of existing in the world is to be quarantined. <laughs> I really like it and have really kind of the ideal setup for it. Like we have like a garden and chickens and I live with my best friend and her husband and my husband and we don't have kids and we can all keep our jobs. And so, uh, unfortunately, um, I'm doing really well. Unfortunately, I'm doing really well. Yeah. I mean, I would love to commiserate about it, the, everything being awful, but, um, I mean, last week was awful. My chickens got sick and mm-hmm. I had a bad week. It was my worst week of quarantine. I logged like five frowny faces in my mood log. <laughs> yeah. So I'm happy for you. Thanks. How are you? Not as good as you. Oh, man. I'm sorry. But See, who is, so though? Fun. Let's be realistic here. Who is as good as you? Other people. I mean, <laughs> Oprah, actually. She wrote that in O Magazine. I really felt like seen by her. She was like, I love this. <laughs> This is great. And I was like, yes, Oprah, it is. You and me in a club of two. So it's not a club of two in your life. Uh, Your Instagram account, your book, your social media presence, your art reflects that you are not just, it's not just you and your husband. You have, you're, you're polyamorous, which means you have many people in your life. And I would assume that the quarantine is making that difficult, but based on your art, it's not. <laughs> Wait, I'm so sorry. I have what are, what are you talking about? Like I it it def, it does make my uh my girlfriend and I can't touch. And her birthday was yesterday and we had, had like a birthday party on the beach and we were like 6 feet apart. Oh, okay. So you so you're still seeing people but you're doing socially distant stuff. I'm only seeing her. Oh, <laughs> I don't care to see anybody else. But you have a husband too. Oh god, I love him. He's so good. <laughs> That's what I mean. What a great guy. So what I'm wondering is, um, how has that aspect of your life been changed? My husband? How has he been no, changed? No, 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 no. The last five months, not being able to literally see anybody other than, I mean, seeing literally, yes. I shouldn't say literally twice in the same sentence. That's pointless. <laughs> Physically only touching one person has got to be a large shift for you. Well, I also live with my best friend. Um, I don't like touch her sure. a, a lot, but I, I could, and yes. I, you know, I do sometimes hug her probably every day. I, I'm going to go ahead and make that mm-hmm. claim that I hug her every day. 
Um, and that's two people. And her husband is not touchy feely. So I don't think I have ever touched him, but, um, uh, it's fine, man. It's fine. I like am pretty introverted. I don't really like to be around people. I what I'm really realizing is like when this is over, it's going to be hard because mm. um, I love not having to pretend that I want to go to a concert or like someone's event. Uh, <laughs> I can just be like, oh yeah, well you know, let's. The, my like social activity right now is I'm in like a Zoom writing club, which mm -hmm. is you just log in and say, okay, I'm going to write about horses. And then everybody else is like, I'll write about music. And someone else is like, oh, I'm going to, you know, edit my tax returns. And then you write for 90 minutes, nobody talks. And then that's over. And I love that. That's ideal. You don't have to do anything. I don't even have to. Yeah. I don't even have to like, well, you know, I'm Brandon. I'm trying to think of something that's not cliche. What I what's coming in my head is like I don't have to wear pants, but I feel like we have really reached the limit of how much we can talk about not sure, wearing pants. Sure. So um, you you currently live in my favorite city. You you used to live in one of America's best cities. You say <laughs> that this is your ideal, but you still live in urban centers. Well, I live in Rogers Park. Well, it's still, uh, it's part of the city of Chicago. It's a real, it is, it's, it it's a densely populated neighborhood on the far north side of Chicago. Yeah. It's my favorite city too. Okay. So you have this, it seems like you would maybe prefer a rural lifestyle. No, this is perfect. This okay. is, uh oh, hear that? Someone's car alarm is going off. It's like proving <laughs> your point. Um, no, this is really perfect. I like we I like walk around my neighborhood. We have a grocery store that's half a block from our house that they like only let four people in at a time or whatever. Um, and they sell everything that I need. And uh, I still go to the park pretty much every day. And I look at people and I think, oh, we share the earth. Me and these people. I'm pro, you know, people Yeah. and everyone's on their bikes and there's like not traffic anymore. And people wait, like I have a front porch mm -hmm. with a, like, you know, I sit on it and people are like, Hey, your house is bright yellow. And I'm like, yeah, you look really great. And that's like a fun, that can happen every day. What a good life. Yeah. <laughs> what else do we need? Well, the, but the, that would not happen in, a, in, in the woods. The global pandemic is making me question why, I live where I live for obvious reasons. And my wife is doing the same thing. And I was wondering if it's, if you were doing the same thing, but clearly you're not, you're very happy that you're living through a global pandemic in Rogers park <laughs> in the Chicago, Illinois. Is that fair? I'm not happy that I'm living through a global pandemic. And I, like, I think I maybe am like, we're, I've had said this enough times that I forgot I should say it to you, but like, it's really sad and awful that we're going so through. So you're bubble. saying, yeah, I'm not saying that like a every other day 9-11 death toll is like number one on your bucket list and like congratulations. But if you have to live anywhere during a global pandemic, you're happy with where you are. Oh, my God. This is where, yeah, everyone should live in this exact type of, like, every neighborhood should be Rogers Park in the world, mm -hmm. and um, everyone should live in, in it. It's just the most perfect, I, I, like, could write a book about it, but people already have done that. It's just the best place in the whole entire world. So I've There's always enjoyed Rogers Park. I've never lived in Rogers Park. Uh, it's, a, it's a relatively polarizing neighborhood, a lot of hatred, a lot of love. I feel like it's the same as Uptown when it comes to love and hate. Um it's a lot like little village when it comes to love and hate. There are certain neighborhoods in Chicago that are 
I don't know for some reason polarizing. Rogers Park Let was me one take of them. Take a polar off of it. It's let's warm up that polar. It's <laughs> so so. Yes, sell me on Rogers Park. Why is this your ideal neighborhood? So, so like I I live on a street where like kids are running around in the street all day, and pretty much my my whole block is like a, a quarantine pod where everybody is just you know decided to share houses and resources and everyone's running around um and i have a rooster and people are like we love your rooster Mm -hmm. and that's that's kind of insane uh like rogers park has a really uh diverse international community which means there's a lot of like good food and stuff to learn and it hasn't like gentrified yet which i have definitely am a gentrifier and i'm doing all the bad things so like you probably only i can live here and no other people like me should move here um but uh it, but for for me for like my selfish reasons like we have just incredible like grocery stores and like community events there's all kinds of like um music and food and like also you're just right by the lake (laughs) and the beaches in rogers park are ideal and they're like just uh exactly the right amount of people at these beaches and um it's incredibly walkable city or part of the city and uh you know an incredibly bikeable part of like when you bike into rogers park from any other part of the city people start to say hi to you which is like disorienting but i having lived in new orleans for such a long time really do prefer for people to feel entitled to talking to me when I'm out in public mm-hmm. uh, and to be nice and say hi. And you see, so you get all of that. And then you're right by the red line. It's just like a quick little sh- or purple line. That's like a 30 minute shot into the city. I live two blocks from the Metra. That's 80 miles per hour. That thing goes into wherever you want to go. It's like just it touches every but for me, it's really just the, the people of Rogers Park are great. OK, I, I'll, I'll tell you this really quick because I know I know we don't have a lot of time. But look, one of my one of my chickens escaped. OK, mm-hmm. and um, I think she would have liked to have come back. But it was easy. It's easy to get over the fence, but not back into the yard. Okay. And it was six in the morning. And like the most charming person with the most charming puppy wearing a mask came to my house, rang my doorbell six in the morning and like said, you know, your chicken is loose. And I was like, oh, no. And I, I had on a robe and I like didn't know how I was going to capture her because she's very quick. And I ran outside and already there were like eight, I'm going to say eight neighbors, all like just like like a catalog, different looking like ages, like people who were uh, about to go to work. had just like stopped what they were doing to like surround my chicken and like get her cornered in so that I could easily grab her. And then they all... uh said this is just what we someone said this is just what we do in rogers park which just felt like that's a, a lot of people who live here feel that that's the energy so it's like a children's story yeah man it's a ch- yes exactly who doesn't want to live in a children's story uh sad people i don't know it's, it sounds idyllic it does sound wonderful but i'm like i'm uh i also exaggerate <laughs> okay, you shouldn't trust then- me i like am i usually speak in extremes and it's not usually but they're positive extremes yeah i'm a pretty positive person and that's it's, but nice. it can annoy people no you might want some grit you might want some like hey every everyone everything's bad no i have enough grit i don't need any more grit <laughs> I'm, I'm good on the grit okay are, are um, you 
how is the marriage right now? How is my marriage? Yeah. With my husband? As a, or other husbands. I don't know. How is marriage? In, yeah, with your husband, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel bad about this uh, too, but it's like really, really great. Why do you feel guilt? <laughs> I w- by the way, if I knew you were having like a super rough time, I wouldn't have brought it up. So I figured that's <laughs> it was sort of a leading question. I, I really uh, want to get to know why the guilt. Oh, or- I just feel I mean, I uh, I guess I don't I don't know. Like, <laughs> what a big question. Um, it's probably because of my childhood and being socialized the way that I, you know, whatever it was. Um, my husband is. uh is working at a coffee shop mm-hmm. um like a teen uh and that means that we get some cookies sometimes mm-hmm. and uh coffee um and he goes there and he also is uh cut, splitting that time working for the census okay um and you know i feel bad that he has to do those jobs um but he it's just like okay, right after this, we're gonna go <laughs> look for chanterelles, which are a type of mushroom. Yes. Um, so like about once a week, we get to go into the woods, which is another thing about Chicago that I feel like I've said to you on the show before is like, people don't understand how many woods there are in Chicago. A lot of woods, not a lot of hills. Oh, but the woods are so cool. Which ones and are they, you going to? I don't know yet. I okay. but probably Schiller because that's where we found the chanterelles before. Um, but we had, we got to go to, we've gotten to go to woods every weekend and, um, congratulations. Thank you. I mean, it's really (laughs) nice to have all the free time to go into the woods. I, I love to be in the woods with my husband. I I wish that like, I could tell you about like a conflict, but I can't because we are not having yesterday was my girlfriend's birthday. Like I said, Mm -hmm. we both like spent probably 20 minutes in the kitchen just talking about how lucky (laughs) I was to have this. She's really hot and really easy to date. And it feels like you should only get one of those things. Like, So she should be either ugly and really easy to date or hot and just a horrible person. You know, no, that's extreme. Like, I think more likely would be like, she's she's like, looks, she's like pretty and okay looking. um, And like, you know, relatively conflict free. (laughs) But she, but she is super hot. So you want two mediums. I don't want that. I you just feel like that's that, what you deserve. That's how the world should work. I, you shouldn't. You shouldn't be able to have all of these things at one time. It feels like it's. Every TV show has told me that that's not possible. I don't think any TV shows are based have ever been set in Rogers Park. I've done zero <laughs> research about this though. Wow, Brandon, I'm gonna pitch it, and it'll Let's never be it. filmed because we live in the pandemic, and that's very, very unsafe. Do you do you feel? unsafe with your husband going to two jobs that deal with the public uh no i'm i don't um what i should feel more unsafe about but also don't is that my uh best friend's husband is a healthcare worker yes so you know he's in the house yeah he is and but he also gets tested so we we all have access to, to to that also um so I just, I don't feel unsafe. I do feel cautious. I do mm-hmm. feel like, uh, like I am, we did go to protests, but mm-hmm. I haven't mostly gone to do 
any I like restaurants are out for me. I'm not yeah. going to even an outdoor one. I'm just not going to do well, that. The thing, but, but your husband's working in a coffee shop, which is a form of a restaurant. Yeah, but I'm not going to like add to okay. the risk. Yeah. By going, by choosing for my recreation to go out and do things, which I don't feel judgment. It's just not, it, I am just not going to do it. It's because I'm introverted, I think. Sure, sure. So is there... And I like masks. I think my mouth is weird looking and I love <laughs> that I can cover it up. So is there any, anything that you're, that you miss from the before times? I miss everybody else feeling better. Everyone feel everyone seems really sad and always in crisis. And I feel yeah. like that sucks. I miss like not feeling like, fe- like I'm a teacher. I feel like a lot of fear for the kids. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like a really tough double bind to be like, well, they can keep us home and that's better for like the overall, our overall health. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, like kids go to school, not just for school. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's like safety and it's, uh, it's for, there's a lot of social benefits and I definitely work with kids who need food and who, or who like at the end of the year last year, were like caring for their younger siblings while their parents were working. Um, and you know, then what weren't able to get school. So, you know, I feel like sad that people are really suffering and I miss, people suffering for more mundane reasons. What what's the plan for you then for going back to school? At the high at CPS just just decided that that we're doing all remote. Yeah. Um so I'm doing remote for my high school job. My college job at SAIC I'm in person. So the institute art institute is still going to be in person. It's hybrid, but they put me in person cuz I'm so virile. <laughs> I feel like that. So for those that don't know, the School Art Institute is not, I mean, it is in downtown Chicago, but it's pretty easy to socially distance. I'm just thinking about transportation to and from the school. That's probably the riskiest part. So are you going to be, it's not an easy bike ride. Are you going to be taking the train to the loop? Yeah, my roommate already does that, and the trains are really empty still. I'll see if that changes, but, like, he says it's really no problem to, like, really have an incredible amount of distance between you and everybody else in the train still. Yeah. Um, So I will do that until that seems unfeasible, and then I have other options. Like, yeah, I could bike. We can see how the metros doing i could drive i have a car yeah but (laughs) parking down there is like almost as much as you're going to get from teaching that class i know and i really am like sort of lying like i'm going to take the train no matter what yeah (laughs) yeah that's like a nine mile bike ride one way (laughs) i know but it's flat like you said that's true but then i mean getting there is probably fine and then you just sweat a lot and then you have to bike all the way home after teaching which sounds horrible no, you're right i i've done it i it, it does suck i don't i want you to think it doesn't but it does <laughs> it does suck what you teach uh, but, is so literally hands-on te- did you say teaching is hands-on no no specifically what you're doing i feel like you could get away with english or math or what do you think i teach art stuff you think I teach art stuff? Yeah. At the School of the Art Institute? Yes, I do. Oh, that's an inference you've made. <laughs> what are you teaching at the School of the Art Institute? 
not art. <laughs> what are you teaching? I teach um, an academic access program for kids who didn't qualify academically or with their test scores to get into the school, but like have some other thing they're bringing to the school, like are really fantastic artists or like are from the city of Chicago public school systems and like qualified for a scholarship. So I teach like art, art history at like a, you know, 10th grade level. Okay. Trying to accelerate very quickly to like a college level. Okay. I apologize. I shouldn't have inferred that because you're an artist that you teach art. (laughs) I'd love to teach art. That would be great. But I, um, that's a hard job to get. What about high school kids? I, I teach at the Chicago High School for the Arts, where I also don't Got teach it. art. <laughs> All right. I, I teach creative writing. And I teach, oh, I teach a podcasting class for which I'm like totally not qualified to teach. <laughs> Who is qualified to I teach a podcasting? What is a podcasting you, class? You could do that. Okay, Brandon, I'm going to tell you the truth, and I'm actually fine with the world knowing this because I probably should lose this job, but (laughs) we just listened to podcasts in color for like three hours. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's not true. Look, listen, everybody, I've lied. (laughs) That's half of it. The other half, we have a a class podcast. Do you teach people to talk like Michael Barbaro and just have a fake voice? Wow, that's going to, I should add it to the lesson plan agenda this year. Um, yeah. That'll be new. Michael uh, Barbaro no. impressions is one of them. Debating about the innocence of Adnan from Syria. Now, huh? Yeah. You know, it used to be Ira Glass. Now we're, now it's Michael Barbaro, huh? Yeah. Well, Ira Glass, that's how he sounds all the time. Okay. But, you but think Michael Barbaro, Michael Barbaro has Barbaro a, is... I'm Michael Barbaro. He does that. Oh, he, he sounds different yeah. when he's at like a party. He doesn't yeah. say that. He, no one. <laughs> No, no one talks like this. No one does that. He's it's an affected voice for radio. Ira Glass, that's that's the whole point. Ira Glass ushered in a new wave of uh, radio personality and podcast personality because he didn't sound like everybody else on All Things Considered and Morning Edition. And that's kind of why he had to do his own show to make that voice okay. That's so interesting. I think that you are really smart. Or I have pointless tidbits that don't help in the job market in 2020 during a global pandemic. What would happen if you just said thanks? <laughs> Nothing. I wouldn't feel good about myself. We wouldn't learn anything. I have to tear myself down because here's here's the thing I really don't like about certain podcasts, right? The host should always be either indifferent or the bad guy. Like oh. you, you're supposed to elevate the guest in some way. You're, you don't invite oh. a guest on to tear them down, in my opinion, right? Oh, wow. Hmm. All of my favorite shows do this. All of what my favorite hosts do concept. that. Well, what are your favorite shows? When it comes to TV, my favorite late night host was ever, was always Craig Ferguson, but he was always like, at the end of every monologue, it's like, well, I'm the idiot or I'm the fool. And that's mm. the role I like. Same with you the like interviews. That. I don't want to destroy, like, I really didn't like when, like, early Letterman that everyone loves when he would just tear people down. Huh. That's so, Brandon, do you think that your listeners already know that about you or is it do you feel like I've really shed a new light, like pulled back the curtain a little bit? Both. Wow. Because I think I, I definitely come off as abrasive for a lot of people, especially when you it's... You do? I can't tell if you're being sarcastic right now. No, Luke Luke like loves you. <laughs> I, your husband's great, number one. Number two, you're great and I like you. So you're already polluted. You're not coming at this from nowhere. You didn't just like stumble into a room and hear me. You know what I mean? Kind of, but like I think that when I first saw, heard your 
podcast I, like heard that you were coming to that comedy festival and listened to something that you did mm-hmm. i immediately was like this person is very likable i oh, did that's not... very kind of you okay but i know now i'm complimenting you and like really setting a trap where no, there's you no trap there's no trap i try to live without traps i don't want traps trap music <laughs> is perfectly fine but what i come off as for a lot of people is i think it's also because you live in chicago and you used to live in new orleans and you get it uh, people kind of talk fast and mm. it, it, it certain opinions are very strong and it and, mm-hmm. and, and it comes off as fact and if you disagree with it well you're wrong well that's not the mm. case at all like just because I believe in something strongly I know it could be wrong and I'm willing to say that like that's that's a stupid idea but I still believe right. it you know and I'm not willing to die in any of those hills and I think that the entire time I'm doing this show for the last 12 years I've always been coming from the place of like, I'm the fool and that's good. Mm-hmm. I want to be the fool. I don't want to mm-hmm. just be the expert. The expert's usually boring or the expert mm. is, I don't know. It just doesn't, it doesn't do anything for me. And yeah, I mean, it's hell, good. it's the, good modeling. It's good modeling mm-hmm. for you to be a fool too. We yes. like, it's good for like white guys to see other white guys being foolish. <laughs> so what you're saying is I'm the ideal white man. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Party. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um Are you I will be- add that oh, please go ahead. I uh that from twenty five topics ago, um, that I my boyfriend lives in, in New Orleans and I talk to him one time per week for like four hours. And I think that I've realized my relationships are not super physical. I just um, really like to have like a a lot of emotional intimacy and and emotional commitment uh, with a few people. uh, And that feels really good to me. Oh, I I get that. that Has made, that's been like made more evident during these several, however many months, how many months has it been? Five? Yeah, five. Huh. That feels like five months. That actually feels exactly right. I know time's supposed to have no meaning, but that's how long it feels like it's been. Um, that's it. And you had that realization during this or you had already realized that? Well, I, the, the, my most recent like book, which is an audio project that is like, I just finished during quarantine, which by the way, was like a major headache. Cause they have to like ship all the audio equipment to your house and mm-hmm. then like, have you set it up? And like, uh, I, I don't, it was hard <laughs> and I was in a basement with lots of spiders when I was doing it and I, that felt really bad, um, but is called uh, Love Without Sex. And so I had like a suspicion that that this was more like interesting or important to me than like sex parties and sex sexiness. Mm-hmm. Um I like sex and have had like very nice sex with my husband during this time, but um, it is just not like the number one thing that I'm looking for in a relationship. And it's helpful to like have someone be like, have the word partner in front of a person who lives in New Orleans. You want to talk to for four hours every week. Does any part of you think that that's just like super part of aging like you're in your 30s now you're not in your teens what if i was in my teens and the first time you met me i was four 
that'd be incredibly inappropriate. <laughs> uh, You'd be yeah, a highly accomplished author at a very young age. It's a really hard chicken egg scenario, what you've like presented, because it, is it in, intrinsic? Um, I think partially, and I think partially like you're really encouraged when you're younger to participate. I like don't know how horny I really was. Oh, sure. I think I was horny for feelings and like, you know, uh, hugging <laughs> and, and like I tried things and like learned about sex positivity and got into it and understood it to be really important and critical, especially for women to, uh, get into. But, um, but I just think like there maybe always was more of this element of this like emotional intimacy element but it was hard to, I think we're not like really taught to differentiate between sex and, and romance and love. Like those are all different categories of things. I do think you're right. And I, and I am super fascinated to see what each future generation uh, gets out of this because one of the very, very, very few shows I watch religiously is drag race. Right. And Mm. be it classic drag race or all stars or the UK edition or Canadian edition, there's the same jokes about sex and the fluidity of gender and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. And I wonder if kids now, when I say kids, I mean like 13 to 17, uh, that grew up with this type of, this type of culture, this type of pop culture are going to be more fluid with their experiences, but more cautious with their emotions because of the vulnerability that you could just get by being on social media. And I wonder how those two are mm. going to combine. And I know that's a very big overarching question. And I'm sure that the coronavirus is throwing all of that out of whack when, you, <laughs> when you're not supposed to see anyone for months and you're a teenager. I know. I know teenagers. It's my job to know them and they're like, struggling. Come on. Like I'm just, <laughs> I'm super fascinated to see how this all shakes out. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it definitely the trend was before the coronavirus that that uh, young people were having a lot less sex than we than we were, and that yeah. that's pretty interesting. Like a lot less and a lot later, and um, that yeah, I think that's interesting. I also having taught high school for four years, like very, I ha- had maybe one or two kids who were in monogamous relationships with another person. It was really uncommon. Wow. Um, so it was, but like friend groups were, were, are, uh, in, really important and incredibly like deep and tight in a way that like when I was in high school, like you needed to have a boyfriend, like if you didn't, um, you were a loser uh-huh. and it does, that just seems <laughs> totally gone as of concept. Are you worried about being pigeonholed as the, the polyamory writer now that you have the 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 book from 2018 now the audiobook probably is this for 2020 or 2021 i don't know and then uh, the future audiobook uh, uh i i the answer is yes 100 percent yes okay. um but i did just get like a um was invited to like I, I we have sold four new yorker cartoons in print which mm-hmm. means like invited to pitch every week to the new yorker oh that's so great and that feels like my and then also my most recent book that I've sold is a graphic novel that's not about polyamory. It's about um, diary writing. It's not about diary writing. It's like writing back to yourself in the past sure. yeah. from the future. Um, and that's not about polyamory at all either. So I am hopeful to like be able to pivot a little bit. It's um, 
I think polyamory is like useful, which is sort of why I wanted to do this audio project was mm-hmm. like, I, I think it's useful for everybody. I think like as the concepts and ideas inherent within it about communication are, are really good for people and also about not putting all of your reliance on one other person. I think there's no one who can't get something out of that. But when you hear the word polyamory, you go immediately to like orgy sex, uh, Dan Savage, and that's all fine and great. But like that is a very small portion of the population who is like benefiting from all the work that poly people have done for such a long time. Um, so that was my, but I still don't know that I've titled it correctly for anyone to want to read it. Uh, and I don't know a way around that except to <laughs> encourage people to, to think that, you know, they can, uh, that all relationships can grow and be better than they are now. Do you watch Drag Race? Um, I don't know what that is. Don't worry about uh, it. Don't I stop. Don't apologize. It's not a, no, there's no quiz. There's no quiz. If you don't, if you like what you like, you do, if you don't know, then now you know. Um, RuPaul's Drag Race. It's great. Oh, oh, RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes. People love that. As Yes, I know. That's why I said it. Okay. Wow. Well, I'm going to watch it now that you told me to. Uh, every episode ends the exact same way. If you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love anybody else? Mm. Can I get an amen? That's RuPaul's. Last, that's, that's our sign off, essentially. That's essentially what you're saying. Yeah, I guess. I well, I think that Ru, RuPaul is really smart. <laughs> As a devoted viewer, I know that you agree with me. She or he, right? Like what? Gender what fluid doesn't matter. Say okay, he, you could say she. Ru, RuPaul was um, the host of Saturday Night Live once last year. That's correct. One of the few. And I was like, this is good. This person yeah. is smart. So there you go. So you're a devoted SNL viewer. I always watch it for the same the way that you were talking about Letterman earlier Mm -hmm. reminds me of like how I like to watch SNL and I think a lot of people who are into comedy do watch SNL for this reason which is like was that funny why did they pick that sketch Mm -hmm. like what was the game of the sketch what like what what like writing viewpoints are like colliding here and does it work or not and like um how could it have been better like how did it get to air this way it's just like a really great kitchen of comedy like failings and successes that failures failures and successes that like is fun to analyze for anybody who's interested in like why comedy is funny or not funny we've been talking for over 30 minutes and we didn't even mention the fact that you used to do stand-up yeah no i know but i now it's like a secret yeah a secret thing that I that I I'm still obs- I'm obsessed with it but I really? don't yeah I'm obsessed with it when is the last That's time you went up um uh a long time ago I like had a lot of like you know I had like a lot of problems with comedians in New Orleans mm-hmm. that uh made me have a hard time going up anymore um and I just decided that I didn't need to like feel shitty every time I, I didn't need to like do stand-up to be um funny mm-hmm. and 
to do comedy, which is why cartooning is feeling really good because every time I would go up there, there's always assholes. Like comedy is just rife with just shitty people and wonderful people. But like, I, you know, I got, I like, I was, I was assaulted at a festival and Mm -hmm. I just never felt like it felt like one of those situations where I couldn't talk about it because this person was so blacked out on drugs that like, he wasn't going to even remember that it happened and that like the community, it was pre me too. So, like the community, like always shuts you down. If you mm-hmm. like, make, you're like, you can't hang, you know, like you're, Oh, you just need to learn how to hang. Comedians are mean to each other. Comedians are like assholes. Comedians like just take things and you just have to let that be. And for me, that is just like, I've just decided I don't need to do it. And props to people who do that. I truly like I feel like there are women out there who are doing incredible things for comedy who are just stronger than me in some ways. And I'm incredibly grateful. And I hope that the future of comedy is better for, you know, women and people of color and queer people than it was even in 2011. So like that's the so it's been like more than five years. Yeah, it's been since I, I I went up once here and it was really fun. Really? <laughs> like it was like scary fun. I felt like uh oh, I would love to do this again. <laughs> Where did you go? I just did a, like a mic at in Logan Square. Was I have like Coles? the one that's at the theater. Where's it at? At the like Logan Theater. They oh, have okay. like a Tuesday yeah, yeah, night yeah. Movie. It was so fun and I <laughs> it was so much fun. And I did great cuz I was like new, they didn't know me mm-hmm. and like I have done you know, stand up for maybe, you know, seven or eight years at that point. So that was a really fun night. And I, I'm not saying I wouldn't do it again. I just, I saw, you know what it was. I like took a class from Linda Berry, the cartoonist. Mm -hmm. um, And she was so funny. I like could not like on stage, you know, in front of this group of people, like I was like crying, laughing so hard at her. And I just thought, like, look, she made her career doing something else. But she's yeah. so good at standing up in front of people and being funny. And she still gets to do that. And um, I get to do it when I teach classes. Like, I'm in front of people and I can be funny and also, like, turn and not be funny. And it's not that I'm, like, using my teaching job to, like, practice stand-up. You're just workshopping bits. Yeah. <laughs> well, the kids would love it. <laughs> they They need more of that. <laughs> No, they don't. Uh, maybe from you, yes, but from the majority of stand-ups, no. I don't agree with you that you think it might be better in the future uh, because the form is inherently uh, bad. Mm-hmm. The The entire stand-up structure is bad. Now, there are exceptions. There are clearly great comedians. There's a reason why I know a lot of you people, and I love a lot of you people, and there's also a reason why I say horrible things about the majority of you people because... I've never gone to a stand-up comedy show and enjoyed the setting. It's not a problem of the say. I don't think any club is inherently trying to do evil things. I just mm-hmm. don't like that, period. And the type of person it encourages and the type of person that wants to go on that stage and do wonderful isn't for me. And the type of person it appeals to isn't for me. Now, my ideal venue in Chicago, I've said this a million times, is like the Hunger Brain. And in LA, it's like mm. a place like Largo. I want mm-hmm. a mixed use small theater with mm-hmm. not just stand up and not just mm-hmm. sketch and not just music. And stand up comedy does not thrive in that setting and the way the current structure is. Does this make sense thus far? 
It does. And I like agree with you a lot and think it's that what you're saying is really smart. And I also don't think I said, I think it will get better. I, I said, said, I hope, hope it will. Yeah. I think that's fair to hope yeah. to like have a hope for that. It's not, it's, you can hope that everything will get better. It's, uh, it just felt like a, yeah, I think, I think I agree so much that I, it just felt like an impossible uphill climb. It but just I, wasn't. yeah, I think it's an impossible uphill climb to make stand up as a thing better, but I, I think it's so possible and great to just, do something that's wholly unique in yours. And I know that sounds crazy, but you're already doing it. So it's not <laughs> crazy. It's just a little bit more difficult because you're not following the same form. And I always just think of Toby Kamal Bell, who I met mm-hmm. when he was touring with his two friends and like they they rented out like a small theater in Washington, D.C., like a hundred seater. Like they didn't even have a microphone. It was that small of a room. And then like mm-hmm. a, a year later, he gets his first TV show. And by this point, he's like 35 already or 40. Right. And it, you don't have to go the route of like, I got to do the improv. I got to do the chuckle hut, whatever. <laughs> you could do exactly what you want. And slowly, it's going to take a hell of a lot longer and like find your audience. And like, I love that stuff. Mm-hmm. I am not the norm. Yeah, um, but what is like? Is there even really a the the norm? It's like always changing anyway. What like what people are interested in? And I agree with you. Oh, God, I love W. Kamau Bell so much. So I love that you met him. That's cool. You dropped that, and that's so cool. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I met him. I'm all yeah. He's been on the show multiple times. He's uh, he lived uh, not too. He lived in Chicago for a while. He went to high school there. So. Um, He's so cool. His oh best friend owns a bookstore that you probably have been to in Oak Park, Illinois. What bookstore is it? It's across here from the Lake Theater. It's giant. Um, it's yeah, I've probably been there. That yeah. sounds like I've been there. Like you should do a reading there. You would do well there. They would like you. I uh, I agree with you. And the thing that you just said is. Um, yeah, I think that there are a lot of back doors that, that exist that like. Uh, I often, I often like frame it so differently. You said it's a lot harder. I always think of it as a lot easier. Um, mm. Like I wanted to be a writer and then, uh, but I can sort of a little bit draw. So I would sometimes put drawings in the writing and it, my writing wasn't great, but then like, you know, people would look at it cause it had a drawing in it. And that's yeah. like an example of a back door that you find that like gets people to pay attention to you because they don't want to look at a, a trillion of the same thing over and over again That's a good point and yeah i did think linda berry was like look at you found that back you found a back door like it, you found it and it's like they are out there and i am more interested in looking for that and f- trying to figure out a path that way plus like i don't know that like fame is that important to me or but i love attention oh god it feels great to have people pay attention to you and laugh at you and that feels really good um but n- right now like i i teach part-time which i like like i like teaching um i don't love it i don't want to teach all the time okay i love teaching i don't want to teach all the time sure um and i make the rest of my money like writing and drawing i mean like i that feels like Everything else at this point feels extra. Like that's extra stuff that I get to have in the future, maybe. And so I'm pretty content. Like, although this year it was like a goal to to try to sell a cartoon to the New Yorker. And I I wrote with a comedy partner because I was too terrified to submit on my own. And um, we submitted 
hundreds mm-hmm. <laughs> that were rejected first, hundreds. So clearly there's like a, a drive and that exists in there. Uh, and yeah, my friend who worked at the, at ClickHole, like he submitted one batch and like immediately they bought one, but um, <laughs> he submitted so many, like it was about a year, but yeah. then after we sold the first one, we've sold like one every subsequent That's great. time. And that feels really good. And it feels also important to say, like you can pick the thing you want to try to do and you can try to do it. And at some point you can give up and try a different thing. All of that is fine, but it tend it seems like it, so much of it is luck and so much of it is work and there's no other thing there. Do you think that you ever wanted to be famous? You mentioned fame and why did you mention fame? I don't know because like, why do you, why does anyone perform? Okay, so I, I knew, here's the issue with the, the pandemic. I think that's causing a lot of people to question that. Mm-hmm. And my problem is I already knew that years ago. <laughs> so I've learned nothing from the pandemic and all the <laughs> pandemic has done is just reminded me of like, oh yeah, you were right all along. Because here, my ideal world, I had, right? I do this show to meet people like you and then you're in my orbit. And that's mm. beautiful. And that's the goal. And then if I do the show live, we get to do it and, and, and meet more people and have a new person on the show and make that orbit a little bit bigger. And then every once in a while, there's a giant barbecue or some, or a party or a thing. And then all the different people from all the different groups could be in the same place and they share food and drink. That's it. That's the goal. That's the everything, right? That's gone right now because of the pandemic. Mm. And there's no way to do that safely unless you're a horrible, mean person. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, so I'm not going to do that. And like, and so that's the thing. I've always known why I've done this and I still do it for those reasons, but I can't, I'm literally missing half of it. I'm missing the interaction and this is wonderful. I love talking to you, but we're not in the same space and that's, it sucks. And it's such a small minor thing to complain about when there's a nine 11 death troll every two days. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things where like, oh, but that's why you do the thing. That's why you live the life. Yeah, I mean, I the, I think that um, I think that there are like a lot of shades of gray in terms of like why people perform and uh, make things and like work together and work privately. And you're right that a lot of the stuff that's really interesting um is is not available right now and that does really suck i've been really like enjoying though like having time to uh sit and work on things (laughs) um and that has been nice and i also think there are like i believe in this like that there are wells like um you know in the ground you know how there's ground Mm -hmm. in the ground sometimes there's a well like in a in a in a fairy tale a well yes i'm talking about okay like there are wells and you uh and it's really hard for us to like keep the wells both full and not overflowing and wells are things like going out into the world and having a new experience like you fill a well with that and then you can sit down and like uh you know empty that well into your work and then your work well gets full and then you have a lot of like energy to go out and have new experiences again. And it is true that right now the like getting your work done well is really, really full <laughs> <laughs> where the like new experiences 
is a little emptier. But that's why I think that going into the woods every weekend is so profoundly useful because every time I go into the woods, I see something I've never, ever seen before in my whole life. You just have to be slow and look for it. And then that feels like interesting. It feels like, um, it feels like communicating with, with someone in a way, like, even though it's, that sounds kind of spiritual. It, I just mean like you're doing something you never, ever did before. And the day gets longer. Also, my roommate and I take 10 mile walks. Oh, um, wow. And that's really like my, my absolute number one favorite thing in the whole world, better than sex, better than swimming in a lake is, um, going for a 10 mile walk and then eating a meal. <laughs> Nothing could be better. And those, uh, walks like imprint in your brain as a brand new experience every time that is like slow and interesting and a little bit hard and they, there's just time for it. I just have time. And then I eat like nachos, like fucking nachos or like, you know, um, or a lasagna. You're getting the idea of the kind of food that then precipitates. 